You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Bhutan on the Calvary Brighton Podcast. Let me ask you this. In fact, show of hands, how many of you have ever, ever stuck your foot in your mouth? I think, frankly, the, the hand of every man should probably be raised right about now. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, maybe maybe your wife at one point has turned to you and said, you know, does, does my butt look big in these jeans? And, and, you're, and you're like, well, it's not the jeans. Uh, yeah, that was a stupid thing to say, foot in mouth. Or, you know, maybe, maybe you're talking to a woman who's, who's a little on the heavy side and, and you, you ask her something like when her due date is, only to discover she's not pregnant. Yeah, foot in mouth. Uh, well, you know, we, we would all do well to, to memorize Proverbs 17, 28 that says, even a fool looks wise if he keeps his mouth shut. You know, or, or an old Chinese proverb that says, a big mouth invites a fat lip. Uh, and, and so listen, if you have ever stuck your foot in your mouth, the good news this morning is that we're going to be talking about two spiritual gifts that can benefit the whole body of Christ. And those gifts are, are, are called wisdom and knowledge. In fact, the passage actually calls them the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. Now, before we look at the, the spiritual gifts called the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge, let's first of all, in verses 7 and 8, look at the difference between common wisdom or general wisdom and, and, and general knowledge. So the difference between wisdom and knowledge, generally speaking. So with that, verse 7 says again, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. So now in these verses, like we said, are the spiritual gifts of, of the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. But again, as I said, there, there, there's also general knowledge and general wisdom. Now, by the way, when we talk about wisdom, you know, we, we, we need to know that we're not necessarily talking about, about, about education. There is a difference between uh, education versus wisdom. You know, kind of like a, a mom down in the deep south who was talking to her, her, her teenage son who was struggling in school, struggling and, you know, learning things and having a hard time. And she said, honey, when you ain't got no education, you just got to use your brains. <laughs> and so there is a difference between, between knowledge or, or, or wisdom versus book knowledge or education. And, 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 and so really, practically speaking, there's three kinds of wisdom. Number one, the first kind of wisdom would be the, the wisdom that comes naturally. You know, you're just born with it. You know, there's some people that are just naturally more wise than other people. I wouldn't know anything about that person. It's just what I've heard. Uh, but, but there's naturalism. Some people are just naturally wise. That's number one. But then number two, there would be the, the wisdom that comes from studying, book knowledge. But then number three would be the highest form of wisdom, and that would be the wisdom that comes from God. And that's the wisdom we're talking about this morning, the wisdom that comes from God. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And so we're talking about the wisdom that comes from God. Now, by the way, on the surface, you know, when, when we talk about wisdom and, and, and knowledge, on the surface, those sound like the same thing, right? I mean, they kind of sound like synonyms of each other. But I, I like the way Pastor Chuck, Pastor Chuck Smith put it a, a long time ago in his book titled Living Water. Uh, Chuck said, knowledge is the accumulation of facts. Wisdom is the proper application of those facts. Knowledge will tell you that that cute little black animal with the white stripe down its back is not a cat. Wisdom tells you don't pet it. And so one is, is the accumulation of facts. The other is applying those facts to your life. Now, that said, let me say that, that wisdom, in a sense, is a gift. 
It's a gift from God. And yet it's a gift from God that's available to all of us. How do we know this? Well, James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. And so James is telling us that, that if we lack wisdom, ask for it. But he's also telling us that, that, that it's available for anyone to all who ask. And so God's wisdom is available for all who ask. You know, sometimes I think when it comes to, to, to trying to find God's wisdom for our life, some of us think we have to, to, to go through all these gyrations and climb these, these, these crazy things and, 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 and do this and do that to, to acquire and find God's wisdom. You know, kind of like the guy who, uh, you know, he, he wanted God's wisdom, so he went to India. And then, he, and then he climbed the highest mountain he could find, and he was trying to find a guru, and he finds the guru, and he says, Master, give me wisdom. And so the, the guru takes him on a journey, and they find a river, and they stand at the banks of the river. He makes them get in the river. And now they're in the river, and the guru holds this guy in the water for 30 seconds, and then lifts him back up, and he says, What do you want? And the guy says, Wisdom. So then the guru holds him down in the water, uh, but this time for 45 seconds, lifts him up out of the water and says, now what do you want? And he says, wisdom. Well, now the guru holds him under the water, but this time for two whole minutes, lifts him up out of the water after two minutes and says, what do you want? And the guy says, air, I want to breathe. And the guru says, when you want wisdom as much as you want to breathe, that's when you find wisdom. But listen, in the Bible... We don't need to do any of that foolishness. You don't need to go to India. You don't need to climb the highest mountain. You don't need to be practically drowned by a guru in the river. You just need to ask. James tells us that if you ask God, he gives it to you. Listen, God longs to give us wisdom. He longs to give direction to our lives. He longs to speak to us. He wants to be the Lord of our life and direct our lives. And so God will give wisdom to any who ask. And so like Pastor Chuck said in his book, uh, Knowledge is the accumulation of facts, but wisdom is applying that knowledge, applying those facts to your life. Now, that might be the difference between wisdom versus knowledge, but now what are the spiritual gifts of the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge? Well, that's what we want to answer. So now as we go back to verse 8, let's look at that first spiritual gift called the, the word of wisdom. It says again in verse 8, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. Now, some of you in your English translations, like the New King James, for example, instead of saying utterance, it says word. The, the word of wisdom. Now, again, biblically speaking, you could say that, that wisdom in general is, is knowing the word of God and then applying it to your life. Knowing God's word and then applying it to your life. Now, that would be biblical wisdom in general, but that's not necessarily the same thing as the word of wisdom. Now, uh, when it says utterance of wisdom, or in some translations, the word of wisdom, the, the Greek phrase here is two words, logos, sophias. Literally, it could be translated, the message of wisdom. And that's what it is. It is a message. It's a message of wisdom. In other words, it's not a, a reservoir of knowledge that, that you could like tap into anytime you want to, that you, that you control, that you have full disposal of, that, that anytime you want to, you can just tap into this. It's, but rather, it's, it's more of a, of a momentary, kind of a case-by-case -case situational uh, thing where, where in that moment, as the need determines, as the Holy Spirit wills, then he gives you this anointing where, where maybe he gives you a word, he, he gives you a message, he gives you an answer. And oftentimes it's, it's an answer that, that diffuses a heated situation. Or maybe it's a word that, that ministers to someone and comforts someone and encourages someone or maybe even challenges someone. 
But it's, it's like a word that comes at the right time just when you need it. In fact, Proverbs 15, 23 says, a man has joy in an apt answer and how delightful is a timely word. And so that's what this is. It's, it's an apt answer. It's a timely word. It's the right word at the right time. You know, in many ways, I think King Solomon from the Old Testament was an example of this. You know, there was that occasion in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16, where, where two women come to King Solomon and they're both claiming to be the mother of the same baby. Now, what had happened was, was both women were pregnant at the same time. Both women deliver their babies and give birth at the same time, but one baby dies and one baby lives. But now the, 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 the first woman, her, her, you know, her baby died and she's distraught. She's kind of got this postmortem depression and she, she's ang- in anguish. And, and, and so now she's convinced that the, that the other baby is her baby. And so they're both fighting over the same baby and, and claiming that that baby is theirs. And so they take the case to King Solomon and they go back and forth. And finally Solomon says, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to divide the baby. We're going to split the baby. We'll cut the baby in half and you'll both get a half. First woman says, hey, sounds good to me. That sounds like a win-win. The other woman's like, are you nuts? We can't do such a horrible thing to a baby. I mean, no, you don't do that. I mean, just, you know, go ahead. Let her have the baby as long as the baby gets to live. And that's how Solomon knew who the real mother was because a real mother, no matter the cost to herself, wants anything, more than anything, for the life of the baby to go. She, she, all she cares about is that that baby stays alive, no matter how much it hurts her. Now, I did hear on another occasion that there were two women who came to the king and, 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 and the first woman, she says, she says, your majesty, this CPA, this accountant, uh, he promised to marry my daughter. And this other woman, she says, no, no, that same accountant, that same CPA promised to marry my daughter. And they go back and forth and forth and back and finally the king says, okay, tell you what, bring me the CPA, bring me the accountant and bring my sword. We'll divide the accountant, we'll split the accountant, you can both have a half. So one mother says, okay, that sounds like a great idea, it's a win-win. The other mother, she says, are you nuts? We can't do that. No, just, you know, just she can have him as long as he stays alive. What that, the king turns and says, let the CPA marry the daughter of the first mother. One of his advisors turns and says, wait a minute. She was willing to have the guy killed, to have him get cut in half. And the king smiles and says, yep, that's how we know she's the real mother-in-law. Um, <laughs> now that story may or may not have happened exactly like that. But the point of the matter is that oftentimes a word of wisdom is a word that, 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 that kind of diffuses a heated situation. And, and, and that's one context. Now, then again, another example would be from Mark 13, 11. In Mark 13, 11, Jesus says, But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given to you in that hour, speak that. For it's not you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit. Now, by the way, that is not the life verse of the lazy preacher. You know, the preacher who, who doesn't really want to study, they don't want to dig deep, you know, they just kind of want to wing it. You know, kind of like this pastor I know named Ralph. You know, and Ralph, he, he wasn't one of these guys that liked to study. He just, he just wanted to wing it every Sunday. So he'd just show up every Sunday, open it up, and just find any old passage, and then just pray for inspiration, and, and then just, you know, just kind of wing it. So one Sunday, he comes up, opens the Bible, opens up a passage, and nothing. No inspiration. And, and so he flips to another passage, no inspiration. So finally, he starts to pray in his inside voice, and he's like, God, you got to give me something. I mean, speak to me. Give me a message. I mean, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna like, you know, to just, just, you know, just fall apart up here. I mean, I'm, I'm about to just make a fool of myself. Give me some kind of a message. And just then, he felt like God was speaking to his heart, that God gave him a message. And, and, and this is what he heard. He, he heard, here's my message, Ralph. You're lazy. <laughs> Study. 
You know, just like it says in 2 Timothy uh, uh, chapter 2.15, study to show thyself a workman approved. And so it's not the verse of the lazy pastor. Rather, in, in Mark 13.11, Jesus was talking about persecution. Jesus is talking about a time where you might get arrested just because you're a Christian, just because of your faith. And he's saying, you know what? If that ever happens to you, if you ever get arrested just because of your faith in Christ, well, then in that moment, when you stand trial before them, don't, don't like plan a speech. Don't like, you know, like put it all together. Just trust the Holy Spirit. He'll give you the right word at the right time. I think a great example of that would be, would be from the life of Stephen in Acts chapter 6. Remember in Acts chapter 6, we, we, we meet this guy, Stephen, and he's standing before the religious leaders, the Jewish authorities, and all of a sudden, he starts preaching a sermon. Just like right on the spot, starts preaching a sermon, but the Jewish authorities, they get offended by it, so much so, they not only want to arrest him, they want to murder him. But he, he preaches, and, 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 and it's interesting, it, it says in Acts chapter 6, verse 10, it says, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. It was as if, as if the Holy Spirit was giving them the right word at just that time. Now, what was the end result? Well, you remember the end result was, was they killed him. You know, they, they stoned him to death. You're like, well, that, that didn't work out. Well, now think about it. We, we know that supervising that, that event, supervising the death of Stephen, was a young man by the name of Saul of Tarsus. And I believe Saul, having watched that event, having heard that sermon, and then heard Stephen's final words when Stephen looked up to heaven, and then he cried out and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I believe those words haunted Saul for the rest of his life until finally he came to Christ, or more accurately, Christ came to him and, and changed his life, and he came from Saul to Tarsus, and he became the Apostle Paul. But the point being is that sometimes, in some context, a word of wisdom is that, is that, is that word that, that, that can diffuse a heated situation like Solomon did. Sometimes maybe it's a word where you know, you're, you're being persecuted and the Holy Spirit gives you the right word at that moment. And then other times, you know, perhaps you know, maybe, maybe you have a friend who, who's going through a hard time in their life. You know, maybe, maybe they're unemployed or, or maybe they've lost their spouse or maybe their child has run away or, or this has happened and that's happened. And as you're talking with them, you know, all of a sudden, it, it's, like, it's like, you know, a certain scripture just kind of pops in your mind. And it's not even a scripture you ever tried to memorize. In fact, you don't even remember the last time you read it. It just kind of pops into your mind, and, and you feel like you're supposed to share it with them. And as you do, it was like, that was exactly what they needed to hear at that moment. It was the right word at the right time. That apt word, that, that timely word. That's an example of a word of wisdom. But now that's different than the next spiritual gift on the list in verse 8, and that would be the word of knowledge. And so in verse 8, after Paul says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance, the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Now again, some of your English translations, instead of the word utterance, it says word. The word of knowledge. Greek terms logos, gnosis. Literally translated, message of understanding or, or message of insight. That's what it is. It's a message. It's a message of insight. Now, on that, I, I should point out that there's, there's a difference of opinion as to exactly what this gift is. Now, there are some who would say, well, well in many ways, this is a gift that works hand in hand with Bible teaching. You know, that your, you know the, the maybe it's, it's the gift of, of having a hunger for knowledge, a, a thirst for knowledge. You know, you, you want to dig deep into the scriptures, and so you study and study and study. And now that you've studied, you now have all this insight that you could bless other people with. And I do think that that is one way that perhaps this gift operates, that perhaps this, this gift is used. 
But with that, we, we should make, make note that the, 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 the verse does not say that this is the gift of the hunger for knowledge, the gift of the thirst for knowledge. It says that it's the word of knowledge, the utterance of knowledge, the, the message of knowledge. In other words, it is a speaking gift. It's not a studying gift. It's a speaking gift. So now on that note, there are others who would, who would say, well, then what that means is it's sort of like this, this spontaneous insight uh, that, that you might get about a, about a certain situation or, or about a certain person. You know, and again, it's not like a reservoir of knowledge that you're in control of, that you can turn on and turn off, that, that, that you can do anytime you want to. Rather, it's, it's as the Holy Spirit wills. It's, it's like a momentary thing. It's like a situation by situation thing where, where all of a sudden maybe you're given some inside information. Inside information that the only way you could have got it was supernatural. The only way you would have known is if God himself gave it to you. Here's some examples. Uh, you know, we have Old Testament examples and New Testament examples. For example, in the Old Testament, in 2 Kings chapter 6, we, we read about a, the, the king of Syria. His name was Ben-Hadad. Now, Ben-Hadad was, was trying to launch an attack against Israel, and yet it, and yet it seemed like Israel had inside information. They, they were always one step ahead because, you know, whenever Ben-Hadad wanted to attack from this side, Israel was already there. They were already prepared. It was like they knew it was going to happen before it happened. And so then when he wanted to attack from this other side, Israel was already there too. It's like they, they, they were prepared. It's like they knew it was going to happen before it happened. And this keeps happening again and again. And finally, Ben-Hadad gets frustrated, throws his hands in the air, and he's like, you know what? We've got a mole. You know, we've got a traitor. He's like, you know what? Which one of you are selling our plans, our, our military secrets to the enemy? And so heads are about to roll, and all of a sudden, one of the king's servants in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 12 says, it's not us, my lord, one of the officers replied. He says, Elijah, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel even the words that you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. <laughs> Talk about inside information. But the point is, is that Elisha was getting, was getting information about Ben-Hadad that the only way he could have gotten it was, it was if the Lord himself was giving it to him. It'd be like a word of knowledge, special insight that, that you could only get from the Lord. Now, we have examples of this in the New Testament as well. For example, in the New Testament, we see that, that Peter, on occasion, seemed to have this gift. Now, the reason I say on occasion is we can find two examples of this happening. So out of his, his lifetime in the New Testament, we see two examples of this happening. For example, in, in Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, we, we meet this married couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. Now, in context, what had happened was there's this guy in the church named Barnabas. Barnabas was really generous. He, he decides he's going to sell his property and donate all of the money to the church. And everybody in the church starts praising him and, and giving him recognition. And now Ananias and Sapphira, they're like, you know what? We want in on that. We want some of that praise. We want that kind of recognition. So like, here's what we're going to do. What we're going to do is we're going to take our property and we're going to sell it for this price up here, but then we're going to pocket some of the proceeds and then lie and tell everybody that we only sold it for this much money and say that we donated it all to the church. But actually, we sold it for a much bigger price and pocketed some of it. But we don't want people to know that. We, we want people to think we're just as generous as Barnabas. We want that same kind of praise. And so that happens, but, but, but Peter gets this sense that something's not right. So Peter comes up and he, and he asks Ananias, he said, hey, did, did you sell your land for, for such and such a price? And Ananias is like, yeah. And he, he says, you donate all to the church? He says, yep, that's exactly what happened. Asks his wife the same thing. She says, yep, that's exactly what happened. But then it's interesting. It's as if 
Peter gets some insight. And in Acts chapter 5, verse 4, Peter says, Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. And notice he says, Why have you conceived this in your heart? It's as if the Holy Spirit was giving Peter insight into the heart and motives of Ananias. He was able to read his motives, read his intentions, know what he was thinking in his heart. And the only way he could have known what somebody was thinking in their heart is if the Holy Spirit had given him that insight. Now, what happened with the rest of the story? Well, the rest of the story is Ananias and Sapphira got slain in the Holy Spirit, actually slain by the Holy Spirit. They dropped dead right on the spot. But the point was that there was this information that the only way Peter could have got it is if it was revealed by the Spirit. Now, it happened on another occasion. A few chapters later, Acts chapter 8. Uh, Peter is, is in the area of Samaria. He encounters this guy by the name of Simon. He's called Simon the Sorcerer. And the Holy Spirit seems to give, Simon, I'm sorry, give, give, give Peter some, some inside information about the motives of Simon, his motives in his heart, kind of revealing the inside information. Now, I say that, you know, you have to point out that this, out of all the chapters of Peter's life, this only happened in two chapters of his life that we know of. So it's not like this ongoing thing that he was in control of, not like a well that he could dip into anytime he wanted to. It wasn't like a button that he could push on and off. It was momentary as the Holy Spirit wills. Then it happened. And so we have words of wisdom, which would be that, that timely word, that right word at the right time. And then you have a word of knowledge, which could be, you know, maybe after studying and studying, now you have some insight to share with people. Or it could be some, some inside information that was supernaturally revealed. But now on that note, what we want to know is, as we look at verses 7 and 8 one more time, we want to know why does God give these spiritual gifts? Why does God give the gifts of, of words of wisdom and, and, and words of knowledge? That's what we want to know. And so now, in, in verse 7, we find out. It says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Now, first of all, what I want to draw your attention to is that phrase where it says, to one is given this and to another is given that. And we're going to see this over and over again in chapter 12. One is given this gift and another is given that gift. One is given this gift and another is given that gift. In other words, not everyone is given the same gift. We all have gifts, but we all have different gifts. One is given this gift and another is given that gift. Now again, we mentioned earlier that, that wisdom in many ways is a gift that's available to all. It's available just for the asking. Listen, he's given us, first of all, his word and he's given us his spirit. Listen to this. He longs to direct the lives of his people. He longs to speak to his people and give us wisdom. Listen, he wants to be a part of your decision-making process in your life. He wants to, 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 to help you choose the love of your life. He wants to help you choose where you're gonna move your family. He wants to help you choose your career path. He wants to be a part of making those decisions with you. The late F.B. Meyer put it this way. He says, before taking a partner in life, entering into business with another, or, or yielding assent to, to any proposition which involves a partnership with others, be sure to ask counsel at the mouth of the Lord. He will assuredly answer by, by, by irresistible impulse, by the voice of a friend, by circumstances strange and unexpected, by a passage of scripture. He will choose his own messenger, but he will send a message. He will speak. Listen, the Bible says that if we lack wisdom, ask for it. 
You know, if we, if we need insight on a, on a certain situation, we need wisdom about a certain crisis that we're going through, the, the Bible just tells us to ask for it. Again, James 1.5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. If you ask, he will give. No, listen, oftentimes the way that he gives us the wisdom that we're looking for is through this, through his word. He speaks to us through his word. You know, and, and yet so many times what so many of us want or, you know, we, we want God to speak to us, you know, uh, you know, through some, you know, wonderful, amazing, you know, outlandish kind of way, some big way, you know, maybe, maybe we want God to speak to us out loud, audibly. I've had the Lord speak to me, but it's never been out loud. If it was, I probably would have wet myself. I'm just telling you. You know, but, but you know, we want like, you know, God, just speak to me. You know, just, you know, give me a sign or, you know, give me a fleece or give me this. Just, just speak to me. And oftentimes, the way that he speaks his wisdom to us is through his word. It's like that meme I've shown you before where, where this guy cries out and says, Lord, talk to me. And so suddenly a hand appears from the sky and hands him a Bible because that's how the Lord speaks. Whereas the late A.W. Tozer had said, God is not silent. It's the nature of God to speak. The second person in the Trinity is called the Word. Whereas Eugene Peterson puts it, when we find ourselves deficient in wisdom, it's not because the Word of God has pages missing in it. It's because we haven't looked at the pages we already have. And yet sometimes what happens is we read his Word and he does speak. He speaks to us. We read it, and there's something that he speaks to us. We just didn't like what we heard. He spoke. He gave the message. We heard it, but we didn't like what we were hearing. You know, like, like Mark Twain was famous for saying, he said, most people are bothered by the passages of Scripture they don't understand, but the passages that bother me the most are the ones I do understand. And so oftentimes he gives us the wisdom we're looking for from the pages of his word. But then again, he might speak to us when we, when we pray, when we seek him in prayer. And then again, sometimes he might speak to us through his people. You know, we're looking for wisdom. We're looking for insight about a certain situation, something going on in our life. And, and he might give someone a word of wisdom to speak to us or a word of knowledge to help guide us. In fact, oftentimes I, I have found that this takes place during the teaching of, of the Bible during the teaching of God's word. In fact, oftentimes after church service, you know, it's not every time, but oftentimes I'll have people come up and like, you know, pastor, that was like just for me. It was like I was the only one in the room. It was like, you're talking just to me. How did you know what I was going through? I'm like, I didn't, but the Holy Spirit did. That's just a word of wisdom. It was a timely word. It was the right word that you needed to hear at the right time. Then again, there's been times where after the service, somebody's offended, you know, and, and, and I won't mention your name out loud, but you know, you, you, you know, they, 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 you know they, they hear something and, and, and it rubbed them the wrong way. You know, maybe I shared like a hypothetical story that wasn't even true, probably something I stole off the internet, you know, or, or, or stole from somebody else's sermon or whatever, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a story about marriage or, or about this lifestyle or about that lifestyle, but, but whatever it is, maybe they happen to be going through the exact same thing themselves and they are convinced that I'm targeting them from the pulpit. That, that I've been following them around, that I know exactly what's going on in life, and now I'm picking on them from the pulpit. And they're like, you know, how did you know what I was going through? How did you know what's going on in my life? I'm like, well, you see, we have this ministry at the church. It's called the Secret Service Ministry. You've probably seen them. They've got dark glasses, little radios in their ears, and they follow you everywhere. <laughs> you know, that's a joke. Somebody right now is like, I need to check my meds. I mean, am I, is this real or, or am I just being paranoid? No, it's, 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 it's called sarcasm. You know, but... 
you know, they, they just, they, they hear something and, you know, and, and it's, it's just, it's just, it's, it's a word of knowledge. It's just the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And, and, and he knew what was going on in your life. Even the messenger didn't know what was going on in your life. He, the Holy Spirit just knew you needed to hear what you needed to hear that particular day that you chose to come to church. Now, on other occasions, I've had this happen, only on rare occasions. I don't want to freak people out. I always share this, you know, because like, sometimes I'm praying for people. And then, you know, on a rare occasion, maybe I get a word of knowledge. Uh, and, and, and I share that and somebody's like, oh, I'm not having you pray for me. Do not want you to know what's going on with me. But years ago, this, this was like, you know, 20, 25, 6, 7, 8, 20, maybe 28 years ago when I was on staff over at Crossroads Calvary Chapel. Um, and one of the responsibilities of the pastors there on staff would be during the midweek service, you would stand at the, the front of the stage so that after service, if people needed prayer, they could come up and you'd pray for them. So I'm up there and, and this lady comes up and, and she's got a cold. And so she asked me to pray for her because she has, has the sniffles. But as I'm praying for her, uh, three words, or really three phrases keep popping in my mind over and over again. And, and the words, the phrases were divorce, adultery, and then the phrase, losing the house and the kids. Divorce, adultery, losing the house and the kids. And it just keep, keeps popping through my mind over and over and over. And so finally, I, I turn and I'm like, you know, ma'am, I, I don't know if this means anything. And I'm not saying this is from God. In fact, it's probably not. So just, just take it for whatever it's worth. Just take it with a grain of salt. You know, but, but for some reason, the phrases divorce, adultery, losing the house and the kids keep popping in my mind over and over again. And at that moment, she starts to, to just break down and cry. Turns out the next day, she was supposed to go to court, to divorce court. Her husband of many years had, had left her for a much younger woman and was now taking her to court and he was trying to take the house and take sole custody of the kids. And, and she said, you know, she, she wanted prayer for that, but she was too embarrassed by what was going on. And so, so she just figured if she just comes up and asks for prayer for, for her cold, God would really know what she needed prayer for. And it's as if God wanted her to know that he really did know, he knew what she needed prayer for. And so sometimes that's how this works. It, it's, it's the right word at the right time, it, but, but it's, 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 it's to encourage someone. So now we wonder, you know, what, what is the purpose of, of, of gifts like these? What is the purpose of, of spiritual gifts like, like words of wisdom and, and words of knowledge? Is it, is it just to make people feel nervous when you're around them? Just make people feel a little creeped out and afraid to, to be around you because you might be reading their mail? You know, like if they shake your hand all of a sudden, you're going to know their innermost thoughts? No. No, the, the purpose for, for these spiritual gifts, in fact, for all spiritual gifts, we find in verse 7. Verse 7, look at it again. It says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Or as the New English translation renders it, the benefit of all. The purpose of all these spiritual gifts is, is, is to benefit the whole body of Christ. It's not for my benefit, it's for your benefit. It's, it's for the benefit of all. And so listen to this, because, because we all need God's wisdom, because we need God's direction in our life, sometimes he gifts someone with a special ability to speak the right word at the right time just when you need it. It's not about them, it's about the fact that you needed that word at that moment. Or in the same way, sometimes he gifts somebody with, with, with special insight to give us knowledge just to know that, that God is a part of this and that God is involved in this and God does know what's going on in our life. Kind of like that woman I prayed for 28 years ago. And so when somebody has a gift like this, I mean, how does someone with gifts like these, how do they fit in the body of Christ? Well, practically speaking, there's, there's a lot of practical places where someone with gifts like this can fit in the body of Christ, fit in the church. For example, somebody with, with gifts like this could fit in a counseling ministry. 
You know, uh, in, in a counseling ministry, uh, it, it can be very helpful if, if, if God gives you a special word, a timely word at the right time that somebody needs to hear just at, at that right moment. Then again, somebody with giftings like this could fit in a home group ministry. Sometimes in the safety of a home group, you, you, it, it's a safe environment where you can share that word of wisdom or share that word of knowledge that might comfort them and strengthen them. Or some, sometimes, as I mentioned earlier, these gifts work hand in hand with the teaching ministry. As you're teaching the Bible, you don't even know it, but kind of in a prophetic sense, as you're teaching the Bible, there's somebody there who needed to hear that exact word at that exact time. And then finally, a prayer ministry. You know, Tim leads our prayer ministry where you have people that come up and they stand up towards the front. So after the service, if you need prayer. And sometimes, just like me, 28 years ago, maybe you're praying with somebody and, and, and God very tactfully, very gently gives you a, 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 a word for somebody. Uh, maybe it's a, a word of wisdom, uh, the right word at the right time. Maybe it's, it's, it's an insightful word of knowledge, but it's for their benefit, to, to encourage them and edify them. So what we're saying is, is that if God has given you these gifts, he's given you these gifts because he has a plan for you in his church. He wants to use you to build up his body. In other words, he gave you this gift not for your benefit. It's not about drawing attention to yourself. It, it, he gave you this gift because someone in this church needs what you have. And so he, he's, he's wanting to use you as a part of the process in their life. And so he's given you gifts so that you can be a flourishing, growing body. Thanks for listening to the Calvary Brighton Podcast. To find out more about our ministry in Brighton, Colorado, go to calvarychapelbrighton.com.